Scaling Up Nation, I am so excited that the Rising Tide Mastermind has started and it is a huge success. Being a water treater is a difficult job and it's so much more difficult when you are by yourself. There's one thing that we all know for sure, doing life by ourselves is not something easy to do. And folks, we're not designed to do it that way. Having a trusted group of advisors that you can share ideas and issues with is key for successful people to become more successful. I urge you to look into seeing if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. The Rising Tide Mastermind includes weekly video calls with your group of like-minded peers, a quarterly book discussion, one-to-ones with me, a live event, and so much more. Folks, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if this exciting group is right for you. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on knowledge so we do not scale up our systems. Nation, Trace Blackmore here, and we are in a series about Legionella. We had Janet Stout on last week, and she is back today to tell us even more about the complex topic of Legionella. So ladies and gentlemen, if you will, please help me welcome once again, Dr. Janet Stout. I did want to ask you, so if we go through ASHRAE 188 and go through the different areas and have you explain to the nation what the section is looking for, why it's there. So the first section starts with establishing a water management team. What does that mean? Well, you have expertise in, in Scaling Up Nation has expertise in water treatment and that's microbial control, corrosion control, and many other things. But in order to control Legionella, uh, you have to have many people, multidisciplinary team. And we'll just give you an example of healthcare. So you need the infection control prevent or the infection preventionist. uh, And you need someone from engineering because you need to have knowledge of the water distribution system. You know, it'd be nice if you could have an infectious disease physician on there. And the importance of the multidisciplinary team really goes to. There's a sentence in Standard 188 that says, the program team shall have knowledge of the building water system design and water management as it relates to Legionella. So the first part, you know, design of the building, how the water flows, managing uh, water treatment, got that. But the latter part of that is how it relates to legionellosis and the risk of transmission and who's at risk, where are they at risk, what parts of the building pose the greatest risk and devices and things like that. That really requires that multidisciplinary team. So whenever I see a plan and it has one person listed as the team, I get worried. Yeah, I think so many customers think that it can just be the water treater or it can just be the building engineer. So thank you so much for shedding some light on that to people in the Scaling Up Nation. So the next area says describe the building water system using text and flow diagrams. So the concept here is that 
as water goes into the building or the device, uh, a cooling tower, it is impacted. The water quality is impacted as it flows through that uh, water system or device. So the idea is to do a walkthrough, document where water quality is impacted throughout the building. And what you want to do is address where that water quality is impacted. Those are like decision points. And so you have to do a flow diagram. Uh, It's either a drawing or it can be a description in words, uh, as you said. Uh, But more typically, it's a drawing. And it's not not an engineering drawing. It's sort of boxes and lines that show the flow of the water as it comes into the building and flows. You know, the cold water goes over to the hot water distribution system. It might go through a water softener goes to the hot water and the cold water, goes to an ice machine, goes to a cooling tower, other devices, where we know Legionella has been linked to exposure of patients or building occupants and caused infection. You know, one one example is a decorative water feature. Uh, What I always say to people is, you know, if you're in that hotel and you're sitting in the lobby and it has this decorative water feature right there by the bar, you know, don't stay there too long because you don't know how well that water feature is being managed. And so you want to know where water quality can be impacted. And the purpose of the flow diagram is to document that. All right. And now decide control measures and how they should be applied and how to monitor them. So at each one of these locations where water quality could be impacted, meaning that Legionella could grow and amplify, you don't want to ignore that, right? You want to control that. So the simplest example is a hot water tank. And in healthcare, by code, they're required to keep the temperature as it distributes through the building and out the faucets and showers at a temperature range that Legionella likes, somewhere around body temperature, around 100 to 105 degrees. Well, some people uh, will put thermostatic mixing valves just after the hot water tank and raise the hot water tank temperature to 150 degrees or so, and then temper it back down as it goes out through the distribution system, thereby controlling the ability of Legionella to grow within the hot water tank. So that's one example of a place where water quality can be impacted with temperature and nutrients where Legionella could grow and multiply, applying a control, which is temperature in this example, to prevent that from impacting the building occupants. And so that's an example of control measures. Another one, that you all relate to very well is the cooling tower, right? So cooling towers are air scrubbers full of nutrients. Uh, The water treatment is there as the control measure to control Legionella growth and spread. And uh, when you test that cooling tower for Legionella, you know whether or not that control is working. So that's an important element as well. Next is establish ways to intervene when control limits are not met. So it's, it's an imperfect world, right? So let's, let's stick with our cooling tower example, because I've seen this happen before. It's a cooling tower that's not uh, state-of-the-art in terms of its water treatment. And what I mean by that is there's a guy, and he's manually adding the biocide every day. And then he goes on vacation. And nobody is adding the biocide. So your control measure, the biocide is no longer adequately applied and so is no longer controlling. 
So you have some, with an automated system, you have some ways to, to document that. But if they were checking it periodically manually, then they would know whether or not they were out of specification. So the way that I describe this for myself is that it's like you're a car on the highway and the lines on the highway are your control limits. You want to stay within those limits and the, and the controls that you're using, water treatment or temperature or whatever, to keep you within those controls are what you're measuring in terms of success. So you need the control measure. You need to document whether you're within those lines, within those limits. And then if you're outside those limits, what's the beauty of having a water safety and management plan is that you have written into the plan what to do when you're outside of those limits. It's spelled out there. And so you know with a cooling tower, if your Legionella counts are at 1,000 per milliliter, well, you're going to do a, a shock treatment, probably an online, not a 50 ppm free chlorine, but raise it up to 5 ppm. And so all of these things are described in the plan. And that's why it's important to have a water safety and management plan so that you're, you have an organized way to manage this risk. And then we have to make sure the program is running as designed and it is effective. Right. So have you ever gone into somebody's office and seen those binders on the shelf? And they're always sort of covered with dust and no one's ever looked at them. Well, you don't want your Legionella water management plan to be one of those binders on the shelf that no one ever looks at. Because the success of any of these uh, Legionella water safety plans is not in having the plan, it's implementation of the plan, right? So you have to make sure and document that what you've written in the plan is actually being executed. There's documentation of quarterly meetings of the water safety team, the, the monitoring results, whether it's temperature or biocide concentration, and that all of that is recorded and in the binder or in the electronic file. So you have to have evidence that the plan is being executed. And then you have to show that the risk is being controlled. And that means show that Legionella is under control. And the only way to do that is to test for Legionella. There is no surrogate. And those that have heard me speak on, you know, what's the value of heterotrophic plate count and predicting whether Legionella is there or not, uh, they, they do not predict. HPC results don't predict the presence or absence of Legionella. Uh, they have different growth requirements. So the way you measure HPC uh, doesn't detect Legionella and doesn't tell you anything about whether Legionella is present or not. And the same is true for temperature and other measures you may be making in your water distribution system. You don't know whether Legionella is present or not, and the risk is being controlled unless you test for Legionella. So that's how you validate your plan. Well, Janet, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've just gone through what ASHRAE's 188 is. You got it. I can't help but think there's some people listening out there thinking, oh, wait a second, you didn't tell me what to do. That's not specific to my building. That's not a plan at all. How do we help explain that to them? So that's a great point, Trace, because uh, as I said earlier, if you follow what's in the standard, you could still have uh, an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. And the reason for that is when I talk about ASHRAE Standard 188, uh, I say the good news is you get to make lots of decisions. The bad news is 
you get to make lots of decisions. And so this is where having some expertise um, in this area is helpful. Because what ASHRAE says is you fill in the blanks. You have to have, it's really a very high level architecture of what the plan should include. But there are no details. Um, there, there are a little bit more details in the section on cooling tower management. But the rest is you decide. And you even decide whether or not to test for Legionella, where to test, what method to use for testing. And um, people are not equipped to make those determinations. They just don't have the knowledge base, right? And so ASHRAE to the rescue, okay? So what's missing out of Standard 188, the gaps are to be filled by the guideline. And in 2000, it was published as uh, Guideline 12 from ASHRAE. And uh, I can tell you, coming attractions, I was just at the uh, June meeting of ASHRAE, and the group has been working on the guidance document for uh, to accompany, really, and to inform Standard 188 for a number of years now. And uh, it will go out, I think, for its last public review shortly, and it's a limited public review. Uh, only the changes that were made uh, will go out for public review. So I think your audience will soon see more detail on how to implement Standard 188 in the form of the ASHRAE guideline. Well, Janet, there's no doubt about it. I am sure you have seen many, many water management plans in your career. What do some of the best plans have and what do some of the worst plans have? So let's start with the worst plans. So real real life example. So there's an outbreak or case investigation at a hospital. And the logical question from the health department is, do you have a Legionella water management plan? And they say, sure, I got it right here. And so we were working with the hospital and we said, you know, please send it over. And it was two pages. And one page was definitions. So I'll let you be the judge of whether that's a good plan or a bad plan. But we, as well as the health department, had some suggestions for beefing that up. Another worse plan is if you go to the trouble of writing a plan, and it might even be a good plan, if it doesn't have Legionella testing as part of the validation, then it's a bad plan because it won't help you prevent Legionnaire's disease. It will help you check the box I've done a plan, but that's not the goal, is it? The goal is to prevent the disease and to save lives. And so you can't do that without testing. So the best plans follow ASHRAE Standard 188, build out the, the, all those decisions that go into it, and, and then also include testing in order to determine whether or not that plan is effective and to protect the building occupants. You just mentioned testing, and I know your lab does a lot of Legionella testing. And I'm sure you've seen the proper method of testing and probably the not-so-proper method of testing. So can you explain to the Scaling Up Nation what the proper way is to collect samples for Legionella? So when testing for Legionella, there's several parts to this. One is collecting the sample. The next part is what method are you going to use to test for Legionella and who's going to be doing that testing? So in terms of sample collection, if it's a water distribution system and you're standing in front of a faucet, 
turn the hot water faucet on and immediately collect the water coming out of that faucet. Do not flush the line. The loosely adherent Legionella occupying that faucet and shower are what you want to collect. Because the question that you're asking is, is the person using this fixture going to be exposed to Legionella? The best sample to answer that question is the first draw hot water sample. So that's really important. In the case of a cooling tower, what you want to do is answer the question, is the water treatment program working to control Legionella? So you don't collect the sample right where you added the biocide and right after you've added the biocide. You collect the sample right before the next dosing and away from where the dosing is occurring. That tells you whether or not the program is controlling Legionella and whether you need to make any adjustments to that. So that's how you collect the sample. The method of testing, what you want to make sure and remember, you know, there's a lawyer on my shoulder. What you want to make sure is that you're doing a standard method in an accredited laboratory that knows how to do microbiology. So you don't want to be doing Legionella testing in your garage. You want it to be done by people who are professionals. Why? Because they will give you the right result, not just a result, right? And it's defensible, right? Always with the little lawyer on my shoulder. So that's a decision that you have to make who's going to be doing the testing and what method. And it should be in an accredited laboratory. You know, and there's all kinds of requirements for a laboratory for accreditation and proficiency to demonstrate that the methods that are being done and by the people that are doing them are to standard. And for Legionella, standard culture is the gold standard. Are there a lot of garage Legionella testing pop-ups out there? Well, I think they're coming if they're not already here. And the reason I say that is, you know, we've evaluated every disinfection technology and we try to evaluate every testing methodology as well. And we do that so that we can tell you and Scaling Up Nation what works and what doesn't, what their limitations are, pros and cons. And so we have always been an objective arbiter of these technologies. And what we have seen is, uh, you know, little dippy pregnancy type tests that claim to detect Legionella at 100 colony forming units per ml. And then when we put water into that device that had 3,000 Legionella per ml, it was completely negative. So you are taking responsibility for the method that you are recommending to your client. And if you want to do the testing yourself, you're taking on that, that liability as well. So it's really too serious of a matter to be fooling around with non-standardized methodology. When a sample arrives in your lab, what do you guys do? So it comes in and all these people in white coats come and they uh, make sure all the documentation is correct. And one of the things that we do in, in doing the standard culture method is we do multiple different plates, which means each plate has culture media in it with different inhibitors and growth requirements so that we optimize the ability to grow Legionella. And in fact, one of those culture media relations is our own, dating back to the days when we were at the Pittsburgh VA. We optimized the antibiotic combination and added a dye to help identify Legionella. And we're the only laboratory that uses that culture method. 
Well, Janet, you mentioned CMS a couple times, and that stands for Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And back in 2017 and 18, they issued a memorandum entitled Requirement to Reduce Legionella Risk in Healthcare Facility Water Systems to Prevent Cases and Outbreaks of Legionnaire's Disease. I was hoping we could talk a little bit about that and how the CMS memo differs from the previous health policy standards. I'm so glad you asked that question. And it's really, really important for your listeners that deal with healthcare facilities. So CMS is like, uh, you know, when CMS speaks, everybody listens because they hold the purse strings. And in 2017, they came out of the blue with this memorandum. And I was like, this is interesting. And I'm reading, reading, reading. And what sort of leapt off the page to me was... Not that they said implement a water management program that considers ASHRAE and CDC toolkit and document control measures, but the next bullet was environmental testing for pathogens. Well, this is a Legionella memorandum. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the first regulation. This is not a voluntary thing. This is all healthcare have to do. The first time Legionella testing has been required. And I just about fell out of my chair. And then I leapt up in in joyous uh, expression. And I immediately sent an email to the guy on the memorandum saying, what you've done will advance Legionella prevention more than anything, more than ASHRAE, more than CDC, any of these things, because you have included that requirement. So I was happy for, I don't know, about 10 months. And then in 2018, they issued a revision. And I'm like, okay, what's this about? And the revision was to remove that requirement. So you can only imagine how distraught I was. But I turned it around and I got really mad at CMS for doing that. So what's different about CMS in 2017 was really good. And then they backpedaled it out. And so it's really kind of more of the same in terms of Legionella prevention. It it does require, uh, so it takes what ASHRAE did as a voluntary standard and in healthcare requires that those facilities have a do a risk assessment and implement a water management program. So that's good. And as long as it's not a two-page document with one page being definitions, right? So that's good. It does make that requirement. But they have fallen short now of that meaningful uh, validation step of testing for Legionella. And, uh, and so that that is something that really changed things for me, Trace. So what I have decided is that as long as you're leaving Legionella testing at the discretion of the facility, it means that our work is that much more important uh, to make sure that those facilities, especially healthcare facilities, understand that the risk of not testing for Legionella is greater than the risk for testing for it. Janet, what's the wall in between why an agency isn't saying you have to test? What do we have to overcome so people are now testing for things and they can do things from those tests? Well, the conclusion that I came to, Trace, after uh, CMS backpedaled on this is that it really needs to go the way of New York. 
And, and there are more states that are doing uh, more in terms of regulatory requirements for Legionella testing of healthcare facilities and cooling towers. And I really think when people are left to their own devices, they're more inclined not to do something, even though it's the right thing to do. And so I, I think uh, as much as we all loathe the idea, I think it's it sort of takes the decision away from the individual uh, if there is a regulatory requirement. And I think that really is necessary in order to really make meaningful uh, change and to get to where I want to remember to get to the end, which is to end Legionnaire's disease. Did the CMS memo address any other bacteria and water systems that can cause infections? Well, that was another thing about the CMS memorandum that was so surprising. So it's about Legionella. It's in the name of the memorandum, right? But if you read on, they say, you know, do these things, have the water management plan, do a risk assessment to address whether the conditions within your systems promote the growth and spread of Legionella and other waterborne pathogens like Stenotrophomonas multifilia, Acinetobacter, non-tuberculous mycobacteria, and Pseudomonas were the bacterial pathogens they mentioned. And I, that was another moment I fell out of my chair. It's like, where is that coming from? And while those bacteria do cause infections in hospitalized patients, and many of those infections may be associated with the bacteria being in water, the tricky part about those is that the mode of transmission, the way that they get from water to cause infection, is not just uh, through exposure to the water. There's hand-to-hand transmission. They can colonize devices that are in the patients. Uh, so it's not as simple and straightforward a prevention strategy as it is for Legionella. So it's, co- it's more complicated. And so for that reason, when water treaters are talking to engineers, they really need to make sure that the infection preventionist is on the water management team, is consulted about the meaning of the CMS requirement, uh, because it's, it's more complicated. And, and that's a real important message for anybody addressing that uh, statement in CMS. So you can learn about other waterborne pathogens like Pseudomonas acinetobacter and Stenotrophomonas and non-tuberculous mycobacteria by reading the fact sheets on specialpathogenslab.com. So for somebody that is interested in learning all they can about Legionella and Legionnaire's disease, what advice do you have for them? There's lots of information about Legionella on the internet. And, and sometimes in my lectures, when I talk about disinfection technology, I say, uh, you know, you want to do some research about it. And I say, don't just Google it. Uh, and the reason for that is that what you read from out there in cyberspace may or may not be true. There are people that overpromise and underdeliver. And so you want to get it from an expert. I'm on the other end of the phone for Scaling Up Nation uh, anytime they would like to talk about Legionella, and I can direct specific articles and things to them depending on the question that they have. So right now, I think unless they want to lock themselves in a room with a lot of articles, the easiest thing to do is just pick up the phone and call Dr. Janet. Janet, what's the one thing you want to make sure comes over loud and clear to the Scaling Up Nation? It's very simple. And I said it earlier, three words, test to protect. It's not that hard. 
We can do it. And if we do it, we will end Legionnaire's disease. All right, Janet. Well, so far you have done very well on scaling up, but now it's time for the lightning round and it's anybody's game at this point. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So now you have the ability to time travel. You can go back in time and visit yourself as the first day where you became a microbiologist. What advice would you give yourself? You know, I, I think it would be really discouraging uh, to talk to myself uh, way back then. So brand new microbiologist, and I'm talking to me back then, and I'd say, what, what if I told you after, in 1982, you told the world that all you have to do is test your hospital water system and you can prevent cases of Legionnaire's disease? What if I told you in 2019, we were still arguing about that? And I would say, well, that surprises me. <laughs> but I guess if you're still at it in 2019... Uh, you're patient and you persevere and you believe that you can actually prevent Legionnaire's disease ultimately. And I would say, yes, we are so close. Well, I'm very curious of this next question. I want to know what kind of books you're reading. So what are the last few books that you've read? Well, uh, I, I usually don't read a lot of fiction. And so the book I just finished, the title is called Bad Blood. And it's by John Carreyrou, and it's about uh, the company Theranos and its charismatic leader, Elizabeth Holmes, and how they overpromised and underdelivered. And if some of you might remember, they promised from the prick of blood from the tip of your finger, they could do 100 tests uh, to, to detect diseases and things like that. And it's all about how they fooled everybody. So it's a great read about overpromising and underdelivering and the public health impacts of that. And then a book that you probably have already read, it's called Traction by Gina Wickman. I love that. He actually I've had several people from uh, his company on the show. Okay, so uh, really, really valuable for those of you that are running your own business. And then the last one is uh, Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear. It's about how you can uh, change your behavior a little bit at a time. We had another guest on earlier who was reading the same book. No kidding. And she's a life coach. So there you go. Okay. So, Janet, eventually Hollywood, they're going to learn about all the things that you are doing to prevent Legionnaire's disease. They're going to create a movie. I'm pretty sure Dwayne Johnson's going to be in it. But who plays <laughs> Janet Stout? <laughs> uh, well, that would be really fun. And, and uh, fun is my middle name. So when I, when I think about this, the, the person that comes to mind is, is very good at portraying characters uh, people that speak other languages. Uh, so that's Meryl Streep. And I figured she could do a Legionellologist pretty good. Now, have you coined that word? Is that an official word? Uh, it's an original Janet Stout word. So does that mean the study of Legionellology? It means that I'm a microbiologist that studies Legionella. So that's how we get to Legionellologist. <laughs> I love it. Last question. You now have the ability to speak with anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? I would like to talk to Leonardo da Vinci. 
because he was right brain and left brain. So great artist, great engineer. Uh, I understand from the history books, he was a little curmudgeon. So I think it would be fascinating to talk to Leonardo da Vinci. Well, Janet, it was fascinating talking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on Scaling Up H2O and dispelling so many myths that we all have around Legionnaire's disease. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity, Trace. It's always a tremendous pleasure to talk with you. Janet, thank you so much for coming on the show again. I know we're going to have you back because this is a world that is constantly changing. And as new laws, as new regulations happen, as new documents enter into the water treatment community, we need your help to help explain some of these items to us. And I'm sure Janet will come back and help explain some of those items to us. Well, last week, I also told you about a couple things that were coming up with the Association of Water Technologies. One of those is the business owners meeting. So if you own a water treatment business and you want to talk to other water treatment business owners, your opportunity is coming up February 10th and 11th in Clearwater, Florida. Now, you can find out more by going to awt.org forward slash business meeting 20 and figure out if this is the place that you need to be. I've heard great things about this. And folks, if you own a business, you need to consider going there. Now, if you are a water treater, you need to consider going to AWT's training seminars. You've got two opportunities to do that. One on the West Coast in Seattle, February 26th through 29th, and then on the East Coast, March 18th through 21st in Cleveland, Ohio. That's not really on the East Coast, but anyway, that's, uh, that's where they're saying their East is. And I will be at both of those. So folks, please come up to me. Let me know that you enjoy the show and what you want me to talk about next. I love teaching at these training seminars, and I know that this is worthwhile for you to come. So I hope to see you there. Nation, there's one more thing I want to bring to your attention. The IWC, the International Water Conference, which is a group that invited me to record at their event last year. You're going to be hearing that recording very soon. They have a deadline for their submission of papers on March 6th. So if you want to present in San Antonio, Texas on November 8th through 12th, where their convention is going to be, you want to make sure that you go to their call for paper site and get your paper in. We will have a link on our show notes page so you don't have to worry about finding that you can link directly up to that and look forward to that episode coming out very soon. Nation, you know one of my favorite things is bringing this podcast to you. So thank you so much for listening. If it wasn't for you listening, I would not have a podcast. I'm going to ask you to go one step further and find somebody that does not know about this podcast, or maybe they don't listen to it on a regular basis. Let them know all the nuggets of information that you get from this show and help me expand the scaling of nation even further. Nation, I can't wait until next week's show. And until that time, I hope you have a great week.
Nation, one of the goals when I started this podcast was to create a community for us water treaters. I believe that the Scaling Up Nation has received that and we now have a community for ourselves. I've gone even deeper and I've created the Rising Tide Mastermind. And the Rising Tide Mastermind is to bring the success that I have personally had with my own mastermind groups and bring it into the water treatment community. The Rising Tide Mastermind is now meeting. We have active groups and we want you to be a part of it. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you, where we are serving both owners and non-owners. Folks, you deserve it to yourself to have a trusted group of advisors that you can do life with. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.